Hello, this is Autumn Miles with the Autumn Miles Show. How are you doing out there today? It's a beautiful day in the Metroplex. I love living here. Go Cowboys. <laughs> Cowboy season is upon us. Uh, I'm so glad that you're listening. We have had an incredible week. I I, uh, I, I want to give my plug uh, for our society groups. We've got the society group hanging out in Dallas that y'all need to come to. It's tomorrow. Tomorrow. So we've, and we've had people, this is so crazy, come from everywhere. Like I think our last group, someone, I'm looking at my team in the, in the studio, they they drove for like six hours (laughs) to get there. And when they got there, I just hugged them and said, what are you doing here? I'm so glad you're here, but man, that's, that's quite a drive. Uh, So we, we're seeing so much success with this group. God is glorified in these groups. If you haven't heard me say it, I'm shocked because I say it all the time, but let me just refresh your little memory. Um, we have these uh, groups that uh, are part of our Blush Network ministry that are all over the country. And we're expanding. If you want to lead a group, email Lori at autumnmiles.com. But uh, this group, when you come, a lot of people are looking for acceptance. They're looking for, I hate to use the word community because blah, blah, blah. People say that all the time and it starts losing its meaning, but they want to be known by people. They want someone to know their issues. They don't just want to be a, a, a name. They want to be a life represented there. And these society groups do that. In our group here in Dallas, we have seen um, some amazing things already starting to happen. We've got a lot of leaders that are coming to this group, which I I absolutely love when they come in the door. We get to encourage them in their ministries. Uh, we are non-denominational, so come one, come all. We want to love on you, and we want to come united under the banner of Jesus Christ. We will glorify him there, and it happens every month. So I want you guys to come out tomorrow night, the Laughing Willow. It's so cute. Every, t- every month I buy a new candle from there. It's called amazing grace i think and burn it all month and then i'm ready for a new one the next society group anyways uh come on out to the laughing willow tomorrow night starts at seven o'clock we have an awesome guest today i love the i i i don't want to introduce him too much i want him to sort of talk about himself a little bit uh but but he is really stepping out in faith and doing something amazing jay louder is with us today he's an evangelist and he is founder of jay louder harvest ministries um we're gonna go ahead and welcome him on the show how are you doing jay I'm doing great. Good to be with you today. It's so good to be with you. I I love what you are doing and really stepping out in faith. You know, Jay, our tag here, our tagline is engaging culture with bold truth and raw faith. Um, sometimes we just got to get raw and we got to step out when we're, we're, when we're a little bit nervous, but, but we know God's going to catch us and you are doing this. Um, you're 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 launching a TV show called The Darkest Hour, and I I want to kind of table that for a minute. Let's let's get back to that. Um, but tell me a little bit for those of uh, my listeners that don't know. Tell me a little bit about you uh, when you came to to Christ and sort of your passion behind what you're doing in your ministry. Oh, great. Well, I actually um, I grew up in a uh, a Christian environment. I mean, my uh, parents took us to church when we were young, and so when I was really young, made a a profession of faith. My mom and dad told me that I I needed to know Christ, and so it wasn't that I was being deceptive, uh, 
But, uh, of course, I didn't want to go to hell, and so I prayed a prayer that I really didn't know or understand. Hmm. I was baptized, uh, went to church camp, you know. Uh, we were at church, got into high school, started giving into peer pressure like most teenagers do, or a lot do. And, uh, you know, uh, just lived a hypocritical life. Thought I was a Christian. You know, we'd get wasted on Saturday night, go to church on Sunday morning. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, I mean, if you would have, at any time, you know, I, I had all the answers. If you would have asked me, I could have given you the plan of salvation. I could have told you what it meant to know Christ. And so really spent my whole life, up until I was about 21, believing I was something that I wasn't. Mm. I mean, I professed, professed Christ, but I, but I didn't possess Christ. There was nothing in my life at all that indicated I was a true believer, other than where I went Sunday morning between 11 and 12 o'clock. Mm. So when when did you sort of get a hold of this and become really passionate about Christ? Well, um, I, I hit when I was uh, when I was 21. By that point in my life, I mean I had hit the bottom. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean I was in a ditch big time. I was living on government unemployment, not because I couldn't work, because I wasn't willing to, and because I was an alcoholic. Wow! And uh, major major depression. I'd lost my car, my girlfriend and my job kind of all in about a year time frame. And, uh, you know, when you put yourself in the shoes of a 21-year-old guy, I mean, kind of those, those three things are, you know, really wrapped up in your identity. Mm. And so um, basically the only way I knew how to cope with the, the depression and the feeling of, of, of just accomplishing nothing and heading nowhere was to self-medicate. And uh, at 21 years of age, living in an $80-a-month rent house, um, I decided to, to end my life put a gun to my head to, to do just that. Hmm. And uh, anyway, I had a roommate that I lived with, and um, he had recently become a Christian. And, I mean, I had turned away from all that God stuff. You know, I was like, man, that stuff's not real. Been there, done that. Right. And, uh, but it was kind of crazy. I mean, he, he was from California. And this guy, I mean, he didn't grow up anything like I did. And so he came, he came home one night. We used to go to this bar called The Rock Inn, and he came in one night, and he said, man, we're not going tonight. I'm like, what are you talking about? This is what we do every night when you get in from your girlfriends. He's like, man, I gave my life to Christ. I'm like, come on. Wow. I said, you won't make it two weeks, man. I've been there. I mean, that, that thing's a hoax. Yeah. And it was so crazy because, I mean, here's a guy that, that had no Christian upbringing, and I, I didn't have a bed, so I slept on a sofa. And he would come in late at night, and uh, he'd read his Bible at the kitchen table. I would pretend that I was asleep, but I was actually peeking under the covers. And then when he'd go to bed, because he actually had uh, a room uh, where, where I didn't, I would sneak into the kitchen, and I would grab the, he had this workbook. It was called Survival Kit for New Christians. But I'd go get that thing, and I had a flashlight hidden under the sofa, and I would read the things that he wrote. And, I mean, it was like, man, is this real? I mean, because this guy... I don't even know who he is anymore. I wow. mean, he is a completely different person. So it began to have an impact on me that, I, I mean, I don't really believe in God, but there is something different about him. There, there's something that's happened to him, and and, it, and it's real. It was unlike anything that I'd grown up seeing in the church. Mm. Wow. Okay, so you're here you are, uh, you're... In this rent house, $80 a month, which is really cheap, by the way. Wow. Um, and you you decided to end your life, but you didn't. So how did you, what happened? Well, I was seeing this change in him. But, you know, again, the depression, I mean, when, when you're 21 and ever, all your friends are at college or they have a job or they're getting married, and here you are living in a house with no air conditioner, uh, no lock on the front door, 
I mean, it, it was just, it was existence at best. Right. And uh, I, I just found, for me, it wasn't the fear of death. It was the fear of life. I mean, it was, it was mm. this thought of there, there is no escape. There, there's yeah. nowhere to turn. Nobody really knew the depth of depression. And my roommate knew about my alcohol issue because he had been trying to get me to go to AA for quite some time. Of course, I didn't think I had a problem. But uh, so ends up um, one day I woke up about 12 o'clock, which I normally did, walked in the, the bathroom, splashed cold water on my face, tried to sober up. And I can't really explain what happened, but somehow when I looked in the same mirror that I looked in every every day, it was like I was just undressed. I could see myself. I'm like, my gosh, man, you're 21 years old. You're, you're, you're a nobody. You're a loser, man. You, you, you can't hold down a job. You've lost everything that matters to you. There really is no reason to live. And so, <clears throat> excuse me. And so um, I walked back to the sofa. I had a 22 caliber pistol that I kept underneath it. We lived in a pretty rough part of town. And I uh, took out that pistol and started loading shells. And wow. At that time, you know, uh, there was really um, two questions that my, that boiled down in my life. And number one was, when I end my life, will I go to heaven or hell, or is there even such a thing as a heaven or hell? And mm-hmm. so I thought back to that day in San Antonio when I prayed that prayer of my mom and dad, and I thought, well, if God is even real, then I guess I'll, I'll become, you know, I'll go to heaven because... Uh, this prayer afraid. Then the second question, of course, again, I, I really wasn't convinced there was a God, but just in case there was. And then the second question was this overwhelming fear that the, the gun that I had wasn't going to be strong enough to end my life, because a twenty two caliber is kind of a weak, a weak caliber of a pistol, and I didn't want my mom to be in a scenario if the gun didn't kill me and I turned into a vegetable where she would have to take care of me. Hmm. Of course, you know, you, I, I look back on that now and I think, gosh, you know, it's sad when you're 21 years of age and you get to a place where your greatest concern is making sure that the gun will uh, end your life. So I sat there in my underwear, pulled back the hammer, put the um, barrel on the side of my right temple, put my finger on the trigger, put my head between my legs, started squeezing the trigger, and I heard, I mean, as I'm sitting there, oh my there's, gosh. A lot of, there's a lot of fear, you know. I mean, people think that suicidal people aren't gripped with fear. It's not really true. It's just, it's the fear of the wrong things. Mm-hmm. And um, it's kind of the jumping out of the building scenario. It, it, you hate to jump, but it seems better than staying behind and getting burned. And so um, as I'm literally squeezing the trigger, I hear somebody pull up on my gravel driveway. Well, that that's unheard of because I know it's not my roommate because he gets a 30-minute lunch break and it's too far to drive across town. So he never comes home. Uh, I don't really have any friends coming by that time of day because everybody's in school or working. So anyway, I just set the the loaded pistol with the hammer still engaged, set it on the sofa, walked over, peeked out the blinds. It was my roommate. Hmm. And uh, so I disengaged the hammer, put it under the sofa, turned on the TV, pretended everything was okay. He walks in the door, and I said, man, what are you doing home? He's like, man, I don't know. He said, it's the craziest thing. He said, you know my dad. He said, my dad's never let me off work early. And he said, dad came up to me today and said, why don't you take the rest of the day off with pay? And so when he wow. said that, I thought, yeah, it's crazy. It was so crazy. So anyway, I that began to God wonder. right there. Is, yeah. Is, is this coincidence or, or is it providence? And I wasn't sure what it was, you know. So um, that's where I was. It, it was just it was just this. Um, he later told me, he, he still works for Dell Computer this day. He later told me, he said, Jay, when I walked in that day, he said, I could feel just a presence of evil. But he said, I didn't have any idea what it was. Of course, he didn't know I was about to end my life. Mm. Wow. So, yeah, that's where I ended up at 21 years of age. And then a few weeks later, 
Um, I was over at my, my mom's house washing some clothes. Uh, I heard her call my name, walked in the den. She pointed towards the TV. She'd previously seen a commercial. She didn't know I was suicidal. She knew I had a lot of issues in my life. And there was a guy on there talking about um, his suicide attempt. He was going to be coming to our city, and uh, he was going to be sharing his story of how he had found hope. My mom invited me to come hear him. I'm like, mm, is this guy Christian? Yeah, thanks, but no thanks, Mom. Mm. But but there was something about his story. He was very riveting, very captivating, and um, even though I, I wasn't sure whether or not I would go, I thought he's the one guy that would identify with me. And uh, the night he came to town, by that time I'd, 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 I'd gotten an old vehicle, and uh, my plans fell through, and I decided to show up and, and hear what he's got to say. And that's what I did. Hmm. So, um, is that anyway, when, is that when you really commended your life to Christ that night? Yeah, I did. You know, I went there to hear his story and he didn't even share his story. Uh, he didn't even mention it. All he did was, is he, and you have to understand, you know, I grew up going to a Baptist church. I mean, I've, I've heard my, I'd heard my fair share of sermons. If I'd have known he was going to preach, I'd have, I'd have never went. But yeah. he goes through the, the literal, the graphic step by step detail. I mean, he just unwraps the whole story about the crucifixion of Christ. But for me, it wasn't like I was hearing it. It was like I was watching it. I mean, it was like, it, it wasn't a, uh, a drama, you know, it wasn't a portrayal, but it was like I was watching the whole thing. And so he gets to the end of uh, his message, and it was like I was the only person in the room, even though it was packed. I mean, it was literally wall-to-wall with people. And he quotes John three thirty six. He that has a son has a life. He who doesn't have a son doesn't have life. But God's wrath is on him. And I thought, man, that's me. Hmm. You know, I've, I've got an existence, but I, I don't have a life. Yeah. I'm, I'm just, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm barely even living. Wow. And, and then he gets to the part of the story where um, Jesus says, um, Father, forgive them. And I just couldn't wrap my mind around that. I mean, how could you want people forgiven that it just beat you with a cat of nine tails. How do you want forgiveness for people who jerk the beard off your face and curse your name and spit on you? I mean, I, but, but, it, but it gave me this ray of hope that if he could forgive those people, I mean, I've done a lot of bad things, but maybe, maybe I would qualify. You know, maybe I could be forgiven. And then the last thing he said was, he said, for some of you, um, you're, you're, you've got a fake religion. Yeah, you, you, you heard some story when you were a kid, but your faith is not real. I mean, you, you're you one of those people that Jesus talks about in Matthew 7 when he's going to say to you, I never knew you. Hmm. You're going to end up spending eternity singing Amazing Grace about a grace that you never even experienced. And he wow. Said, yeah, and so I'm thinking, and it wasn't a scare tactic. I mean, it was just a, a com- you know, it's kind of an off-the-cuff comment that, you know, for some of you, this may be your last opportunity. Yeah, you may live another 20, 30, 40, 50 years, but there may never be a time like this where God speaks to you. And at that moment, all I can say is, from the moment I was born, even to this day, there's never been anything that I wanted. And wanted is such an understatement. There's never been anything I was more consumed with the overwhelming desire than I was at that moment of, I want to know this Jesus. Yeah. I don't want to know about him. I've known about him. I want a relationship. That's right. Mm-hmm. And because um, I never had that. You right. Know? And so the realization came that I really didn't know him. Mm-hmm. I knew about him, but he was, he was, a, he was a, uh, a history lesson. I knew him like I knew Abraham Lincoln. And um, that night, that guy invited people to uh, make a public stand. 
that they wanted to give their life to Christ. And I thought, man, is there anybody here? Is it just me? Or is mm-hmm. there anybody else here? Well, there's a guy I used to play basketball with. I'm 6'6", six, six, and uh, I couldn't stand this guy. We used to play ball at the park together, and the reason I didn't like him is he was always smoking dope at the park, and I didn't have a problem with smoking dope. I, what I had a problem with is doing it at the park because the cops were always breathing down on us. <laughs> and I didn't even know he was in the room. And so I was in the balcony, and I peeked over to see, I mean, is anybody going to do this? Because I, I'm going to give my life to Christ. I don't care if it's the last thing I do. I, and I see this guy named Barry. And Barry is the very first guy that gets up. And, and it sent a message to me that, man, if God could forgive Barry, he could forgive me. Now, the truth of this, Barry was no worse than I was. I just thought Barry was worse than I was. Right. And so right then and there, I dropped to my knees, and, and, and I said, God, it wasn't just, you know, the repetition of some prayer. It was just an all-out cry from the depths of who I am of Amen. God, forgive me. I want to know you. I am sorry for my sin. I am mm. sorry for my unbelief. I'm sorry that I've robbed you of my life, and, and I want you inside of me. I, I really don't remember exactly what I said, because it wasn't what I said. It was the cry of my heart that yeah. I want Christ in my life. And that night, I didn't get a, a heavy dose of church. I didn't get a heavy dose of religion, uh, of Baptist theology. That night, the Son of God stepped in my life. And I've never gotten over it. Amen. Amen. Wow. What a beautiful story. I, uh, this is, I, I feel, okay. Uh, the, you said so much. I didn't want to interrupt you too much. Uh, but, but you went to such a, if uh, I, I want to recap for our listeners really quick. This is Jay Louder. He is the, uh, he's an evangelist, but also the founder of uh, Jay Louder Harvest Ministries. Um, he's on our show today. Uh, we're going to talk about a project that he, that he is involved with right now and really championing. Uh, but he, he just kind of gave us a little snapshot of a, of his life story. Uh, We invite you to follow him on social media, look him up, um, follow him. He's also an author. Uh, But one of the things that you just said, Jay, was you talked about this, this suicide. I, I, I am content. And and there was a moment, Jay, when I almost committed suicide myself. So you're sort of, I I sort of understand that thought process a little bit, but it's amazing to me. Those that are in church (laughs) that have heard how good God is, what he can do for us, this and that, that they come to, uh, um, a, such a dark, dark place. And it's sort of God, God intervenes. I know in my life, um, God intervened with his Holy spirit and, and reminded me of the God that I heard about when I was a kid. And it really stopped me because that, that message through his Holy spirit was louder than the desire to in my life at that time. And you have a sort of a similar experience with your, um, with your roommate coming in the room. And that sort of led you to a transformation, uh, inside out uh, through a relationship with Christ. But you know a little bit about having a dark hour. You understand having a dark hour. And um, this has sort of led and been the foundation of your ministry, which you've been in ministry a long time. But it's also led you to this new project of um, starting a a TV show. Tell me about this TV show. Well, I've got to take a step back in order to kind of preface that with this. After I met Jesus, all I knew is is that I wanted to help reach other people uh, and reach in the same way that I'd been reached. I knew that I wasn't the only person that came from a, a really dark pit. And so 
at that time, I mean, there was no book deal. There was no appearance on Fox and CNN and all these types of things. And so uh, what I wanted to do is I started walking the streets with some guys from college. I started a, a street witnessing team. And so we'd go outside of all the strip clubs and the bars and the porn shops. And so uh, we weren't out there condemning anybody, just sharing hope and sharing love. And so from the jump, I really had a desire to, to take what happened to me and use it as a platform and a catalyst to reach other people. And so that's really what my life has been about ever since that April 5th night when I met Jesus. So a couple of years ago, and that's what we've been doing, but a couple of years ago I was in Grand Central Station there in New York City. I was on vacation with my wife and three kids, and anyway, we were standing there. And, of course, this is an iconic place, and millions of people have been through there. Right. And I turned to my wife, and I'm like, Missy, this isn't Texas here. Uh, There's a lot of people out here that... I mean, they're great people, but but a lot of these people didn't grow up in the Southern mentality that we did, where you just go to church on Sunday. And a lot of these people really have no idea who Jesus really is. They they have no concept. And I said, even if we had the money to rent out Madison Square Garden, these people wouldn't come here. That's just, it's not on their radar. It's just not on their GPS. And there's got to be some way where we can get the message out to people who don't go to church, who don't listen to Christian programming, and uh, so anyway, I, I was just bothered about it. I started praying about it. Well, a couple of, probably about two months later, um, I was in L.A. doing a couple of TV shows, and same thing, we got stuck in a traffic jam, and we're surrounded by thousands of people. And I told my wife, I said, this is just like New York. You know, there's a lot of people out here have no concept who Jesus is. There's got to be some way we can reach them. And so I had just been praying and asking God, how can we, how can we get an inlet? How can we tap into the vein of literally hundreds of thousands, millions of people in the United States that, that don't know who Jesus is. And it's like, I, I felt like I was praying at a wall. I mean, just no answer. I couldn't get anywhere. And then uh, it's rather lengthy, so I won't go into it, but the bottom line is... is we have three lady, minutes. We have three minutes uh, left, oh my, so I want you to oh, get right to it. Yes. Well, okay, so the bottom line is, is from there we, we launched this, um, we were about to launch. The vision came about for starting a television show, not a preaching show. Um, done on, excuse me, on secular television on late nights, Friday and Saturday nights, trying to reach people from like 15, 16 to their late 30s. Mm. And um, it would be a backdoor approach. It wouldn't be a preaching show, it wouldn't be a guy up there behind a podium preaching, but it would be story-based, where people could tell their story, and it could be something that others could identify and relate to and find hope in. And so... Um, really, you watch the first 25 minutes of the show, and you really don't even know it has anything to do with God. It's just the stories of people that literally have been to hell and back. I mean, wow. there are strippers. There's people that lost limbs in the military. There's people with addiction, people that have been through every conceivable pain and suffering imaginable. Mm. And so it's a backdoor approach to try to get this message of hope and evangelize people and tell them that there is a way, and that way is through a personal relationship with Christ. I love that you're doing this. I feel like um, I, I love that you're strategically uh, placing the show uh, between, t- depending on the time zone, uh, midnight and one o'clock, uh, because that's when people come in. A lot of people come in from partying, from, uh, you know, whatever, whatever they're out there doing on Friday and Saturday night. And that's exactly sort of when people sort of realize what their life has become and they need some hope. They need some hope. So this is is very strategically placed. Um, I I also like it's called uh, the darkest hour. Is that right, Jay? Yeah, it's the darkest hour because everybody that's on the show 
has went through a tremendously dark time in their life. Mm. I know. Uh, I know that this show is is absolutely going to minister uh, to the masses. It's amazing how you know you sort of wake up in the middle of the night and um, God will place TV right in front of you when you need it to encourage you. And I know that the show is uh, definitely definitely going to do that. I want you listeners out there to to look for uh, in your listings wherever it is uh, the the darkest hour um, and. Really Really, if you know someone that sort of needs hope, let's let's push them to that. It's going to start airing in the fall, and I know uh, that this is going to bring life into situations to to someone Jay that will never walk into a church, right? Well, uh, it will. And the great thing you mentioned is is that there are people listening to your show who know people who have been through similar scenarios that the people in the show have been through. And so what they can do, even if they miss the show, they can go to the website, thedarkesthour.tv, and they can email any of those stories to somebody that they know who may have a similar story to the one on the program. That's great. That's a great resource. If you want to contact Jay, jlouder.com, or you can email him, jay at jlouder.com. Jay, thank you for doing this. I really feel like God is going to bless it. Thanks for being on the show today. It's my privilege. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much. And thank you for listening. I hope and pray that you will look up this TV show and then pass it on to friends uh, and family members that may need it. Thanks for listening to the Autumn Mile Show. We'll see you right back here next time.